I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Scott Allen from the Washington Post joins the show today. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, Scott, when I reached out to you, um, in honesty, I, I thought that you did work uh, right for the beat. Um, I guess I thought everybody that was in the sports department worked a particular beat. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about that, how it breaks down. Yeah, sure. So uh, Sam, Nikki, and Les, they're officially on the the Washington football team beat. So they are, they're on all the Zoom calls. They're out of practice. Um, they certainly go to all the home games and I think the closer road games now during this pandemic season. Um, my role is... I write for the, it's called the DC sports blog. And my kind of beat is all of the DC sports teams, um, pro and college. And I kind of supplement the coverage of our beat writers for each individual sport with, you know, additional coverage of the Washington football team, capitals, nationals, wizards, et cetera. So I'm not at every practice. I'm typically not at the games. I run our, like for the Washington football team, I run our, uh, game day live blog with live updates. Uh, but I just do that from home off of TV. So that's kind of where I fit in. Okay. Uh, one last on the reporting side of things um, in the midst of quote unquote fake news times. If somebody around the team does give you an off the record statement or a tip, what happens next then before an editor will sign off on that story? Yeah. I mean, anytime that, we use anonymous sources. There's, there's uh, a conversation between the reporter, whether it's myself or someone out uh, at uh, Washington football team practice or such, or, or gets any sort of tip. Yeah. There's a conversation with the editor to kind of vet the, the veracity of, you know, whether or not it's something that they can go with. I mean, reporters kind of develop trust with sources, um, over the years and they're not just going to willy nilly print something um, just because they heard it from, from some random person. Right. Um, There's a conversation that goes on with the editor where where you decide, okay, is this good enough to, to run with? Does it take multiple sources to get a story put out? Sometimes it depends. Um, Usually, I mean, the more, the better, but sometimes if you have a very, if you have someone who you've decided is a dependable source, um, you don't necessarily need need multiple to to verify something. I think most often you see, you know, according to sources or according to two people close to the situation. I mean, the more you can hammer it down, uh, the better. But it just kind of depends situation to situation. Appreciate that. Another team facility shut down this morning. If you were betting somebody else's money, do you think we'll get to the Super Bowl this year, Scott? <laughs> I think we'll get to the Super Bowl. I guess I think that it might take uh, adding an 18th week here that that uh, Commissioner Goodell seems pretty reluctant to do in the way that he's reorganized the, the schedule so far with the, with the postponed games. Um, I think it's just kind of inevitable that there are going to be more situations like what happened to the, the Patriots. It sounds like all the games this weekend are a go, but I, th- I think odds are 
the season's going to be extended a little bit longer in the regular season, but I do think they will eventually get to the Super Bowl. It's been interesting how many of these false positives there are. Do is that because of the uh, the test that they're using, or do we know anything about that? It seems amazing how many of these turn out to be nothing. Yeah, I'm not really sure why that is. Um, I mean, I think that just given the the number of uh, players that they have to test and the amount of tests that they're doing uh, per week, it's it, it. I mean, obviously, it's news every time there's a there's a positive and, and news if it's a false positive. But it's pretty remarkable, I think, the job that they've done so far um, without being in you know the bubble like like the NHL and the NBA did. I, I think it's still a very small percentage, but obviously each one is is incredibly serious and has the potential to to turn into a, a for a super spreader event right like with the, yeah. with the contact between these players on individual teams and then we've seen what happened kind of the trickle down effect of well if this guy was infected here and we just played them last week and this game go on so I, but i'm not sure to answer your question uh, what's what's leading to the false positives uh, according to Tom Pellicero, Dwayne Haskins was back at practice today. Why does it seem that uh, around here in particular that the national folks get that stuff before the local guys do? And is that frustrating to the local guys? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Tom Pellicero is a guy who's been around the, the league, covering the league for, for many years. Sometimes you develop contacts with you know, people within the organization who are going to share it with you before it gets out to the to the beat reporters. I know um, the Washington football team's PR guy, he sent a, a photo of Haskins inside the bubble because um, with them practicing inside, reporters aren't able to be there today. So you saw that he sent that photo to everyone on the beat. And then if you're following on Twitter, you have like 20 pictures in a row and, and tweets, uh, you know, here's Haskins inside the bubble. In terms of whether it's frustrating, I mean, yeah, I think you you would like to ideally be first uh, on something like that, but you're going to be first on other things. You realize, and I, I don't think it, it's a it's a huge hang up um, when that happens. And and I think you see it. These guys are pretty good about you know crediting a lot of people saying, "Hey, Tom Pelissero first or tagging him. Or, yeah. So yeah, it's just just part of the part of the job. I saw something interesting this morning. Tressway has almost 200 more punting yards on the season <laughs> than the offense does. Scott has not been good enough calling plays. Is that fair? <laughs> I think that's, that's part of it. And the guys that they do have, I mean, they don't have a ton of weapons. They haven't been uh, good enough executing those plays. I mean, it's it seems like it's been a, a few years now that – we joke that that Tressway is the MVP of this team, and you know there there are a few guys that they've brought in now. Terry McLaurin certainly seems like he's going to be a star for years to come, and there's been some flashes from Antonio Gibson. But still, if you if you look at that offense as a whole, it's, it's just lacking in a lot of playmakers to move the ball. But certainly, yeah, I think you can you anyone could place some of the blame on on the play calling uh, so far. Were you surprised that they didn't give Haskins at least to the halfway mark? Oh yeah. I was shocked by the timing of the, the switch. I mean, not only, you know, 
yes, it was his first 300-yard game. A lot of that came in garbage time, but he didn't play terribly against the Ravens. It was arguably his – it was one of his better games of the year. And I figured just the way that Rivera had been preaching that, you know, this was a development year. We're going to have to learn how to win. I care more about development than winning. I'm not going to use my timeouts here at the end of two-score games. Clearly, you don't care about winning. Then to to make the switch when he did, I, I was – I was surprised. I thought Haskins, barring an injury uh, or a truly terrible performance, which he had against the Browns, but then he bounced back. Um, I thought he was going to be the starter for the duration of the year. And then Rivera and, and the rest of the staff would make a decision in the offseason about, you know, based on his play, whether he was going to be the guy going forward. So, yeah, it, it was a it was a sudden uh, about face in my mind. And, and I'm still a little bit confused by it. I am too. I guess we're still getting used to to Ron, uh, but the messaging has been interesting, uh, to say the least. And I'm not sure if it really is because they thought that the division was wide open. I know Morgan Moses reiterated that the other day, yeah. uh, but it still seemed like an early hook for the kid. Yeah, no, I think Ron, in, in attempting to kind of clarify his position, basically doubled down this week on, you know, I think last week he made the switch. He said, you know, if there was a team in the division that was four and or three and one, maybe I don't make this move now. Well, they lose again on, on Sunday against the Rams. And obviously the rest of the division did pretty poor, poorly again too. And it's still kind of right there. And he kind of doubled down this week and said, look, I'm going for it. We're going for it. We're trying to win. Um, and, and apparently, I mean, there's kind of no going back to Haskins now, especially with the, this stomach illness and, and missing practice all week. But Ron seems to truly think that Kyle Allen, you know, gives them the best chance to go for it. And, and granted, they're playing some really terrible teams these next few weeks, including three games within the division. Um, Dallas is all of a sudden, I thought they would they were the clear front runner. Um, before Dak went down, but now they're kind of a wild card. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> amazingly it is there. I just I don't know why anyone has a whole lot of faith that that Kyle Allen's going to be the one to to lead them to more wins. I don't either. He got worse as the season went on last year, not better. Uh, at any rate, he'll be out there. It looks like Sadiq Charles will be blocking for him this week at left guard. He's an interesting prospect, and it would be good to get him out on the field. West Martin has not been good so far. Yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest storyline of this week is is how different the offensive line will look. And it, it's kind of what this team probably envisioned it would look like at, at the beginning of the season, but hasn't been able to because of, because of injury. I mean, Sadiq Charles making his debut, it sounds like he's going to do that at left guard and in, in place of Wes Martin. And you mentioned he, he hasn't played well. I mean, it, and it was kind of before last week. I mean, it was a brutal assignment for anyone. You probably don't want Sadiq Charles in there against Aaron Donald part of the game last week. Uh, but this is a good opportunity for him. And then on the other side, it, it sounds like Brandon Sheriff who really dodged a, a bullet there with that knee injury against the Cardinals. I mean, if he returns, that's, that's a big deal. Um, for for this offensive line which you know in addition to not really being able to protect the quarterback too well is this they haven't 
generate much of a run game either. So I'm really interested to see uh, how Charles performs if he is out there. Um, obviously, the fourth round pick out of LSU, he had a calf injury in training camp that kept him out to this point. Um, but they think he's a big part of the future, whether it's at guard or, you know, he could play switch over to left tackle uh, eventually. But um, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting uh, story to watch. Yeah, I think there's some that thought maybe Schweitzer would move over to right guard mm-hmm. and then Sadiq over to left tackle. But I think maybe the coaching staff feels like Jerron's played a little bit better than he's been given credit for. Yeah, I think he's looked pretty good, um, you know, through five games. It was obviously a big question mark coming into the season, but I think he's he's improved a bit and, and really um, some more of the struggles have been on the interior of that line. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll see how they look against the Giants. Washington ha- is a league low at three and a half yards per carry. I got to assume that they hope he'll be stronger at the point of attack and get the running game going to your point. They got to rush the ball more, don't they? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you can kind of make the point that, that they're not they're not opening up the passing game anyway, right? Like a lot of these – these throws to guys out of the backfield, it's it's kind of like a, an outside running game almost with the the swing passes and the screen passes and throws in the flat to, to the running backs. But, yeah, kind of getting the more traditional running game going, I think, would open up some some more play action for, for when they do decide that, hey, let's have Kyle Allen take a shot down field for Terry McLaurin or something because we certainly haven't seen a lot of that this year they've just kind of lacked those those big plays and and almost all of them so far have been guys catching short passes and and running for a lot of yards after the catch the pass rush hasn't been nearly the same since the first game of the season chase young's been dinged he probably was knocking some rust off last Mm -hmm. week hopefully we get back to attacking this week yeah (laughs) that would be uh that would be beneficial for their, their chances of winning. I mean, it, they came out out of the gates just so strong with those those eight sacks against the Eagles. And obviously the Eagles' offensive line in that game was really beat up. So maybe not the best indicator yes. of, of how this unit was going to perform all year. But, you know, all we heard about during the offseason, all we heard about last season was, okay, this team has the makings of a dominant de- defensive line for, for years to come. And then, of course, you go out and, and add Chase Young to that, and you're talking one of the top, you know, front sevens or at least defensive lines in, in the league. And they performed like that in week one, and then they've been kind of kind of quiet since. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was good to get Chase Young bet last week, but maybe not. 100% or, or what he was in, in those first few games. And I would expect them to to kind of up it, uh, up the pressure on a, a struggling offense um, and a struggling quarterback in Daniel Jones this Sunday. Yeah, they'll have a, uh, they'll have a rookie left tackle, uh, second-year right tackle, and a rookie right tackle. I guess the right tackles um, swap in and out throughout the game. So, should be an opportunity to get pressure on the quarterback, I think. I also find it interesting when Chase Young and Ioannidis went mm-hmm. down, I think we thought we'd miss Chase Young the most. I think there's an argument to be made that we miss Ioannidis the most. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. He was always one of the more unheralded guys on on that line. But the, the pressure that 
he uh, was able to initiate up the middle, that's been missed the, the last few weeks. I mean, not only pressure on the quarterback, but but uh, in stopping the run too. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, they they have a lot more guys to kind of shuffle on on the outside there. Um, it, it's obviously best when, when they're all healthy, but they're going to have to be they're going to have to make do without Ionitis for the rest of the year. No. Once the quarterback got benched, the fan base was clamoring for all kind of benchings. Um, and the coach has done some in last game. It looks like Cole Holcomb is back. Coaches seem a little excited for him. Might bring a little more speed to the middle of the field. Yeah, Jack Del Rio kind of stressed this week that he wants to see more from from that linebacking group. Uh, you know, John Bostic is kind of the leader there. He's He's been pretty solid. Um, but they're still looking for, Del Rio said they're still kind of looking for the right mix with, you know, whether it's Kevin Pierre Lewis, Thomas Davis senior playing, playing a little bit uh, here and there, but Holcomb was a guy. Yeah. He had a huge rookie year. Um, the coaches were really high on him all training camp. And, and I think it will be good to get him back and, you know, whether he's rotating there with, with Kevin Pierre Lewis or basically split in time with uh uh, alongside Bostic, I, I think that'll be a welcome return because really the whole defense, I mean, we talk so much about the, the front uh, front four and then the, the back end getting beat for big plays, but the linebackers have been have been a big part of the struggles too, and to, to get that unit healthy again will, will be good. It's interesting. The coaching staff was so sure of Abke. <laughs> they cut Sean Davis over $2 million, and now they're putting Everett in, who is most certainly an in-the-box yeah. safety. Were you surprised that they were so sure about Apke heading into this season? Yeah, I guess a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of – I wasn't out at, at training camp, but, I mean, all I heard and I kind of took their word for it was that he had made a, a ton of strides since since last year. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's had a, a tough go in these first few games. I mean – I think back to some of the some of the plays that stick out or you know, Kyler Murray gave that whole defense fits and, and he had some missed tackles in that game. Um he got completely blocked out of the play on Lamar Jackson's long touchdown run and I'm thinking like, okay, those quarterbacks are gonna make anybody look silly, but but obviously he's he's struggled in in uh pass protection too and um some missed assignments and then finally we saw against the Rams, you alluded to it, they you know, DeShazer Everett gets 20 snaps. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do against the Giants if if they go back to Apke, um, rotate him with with Everett because yeah, I don't think Everett is gonna is necessarily suited to to fill that role um, alongside Landon Collins who who has had his own you know struggles this year and he's the one getting paid all sorts of money to do what he does. Uh, it's interesting. Bradbury was a guy that I think people expected Ron to bring in here. I'm always interested when a coach is not interested in bringing back somebody that mm -hmm. I think the fan base thought was a no brainer. He'll travel with Terry. It should be a good matchup. Yeah, it it should be. I mean, <laughs> like we talked about earlier, they don't have Washington doesn't have a lot of uh, weapons offensively. It's kind of no secret where they typically want to go with the ball and, and that's a matchup that that McLaurin's gonna kind of have to win and, and Allen's gonna have to take advantage of that if 
if they're going to move the ball, I think against the Giants. But but you're right. I mean, that should be that's that's a matchup to watch all all game. Do do we know what the weather's supposed to be? You know, like? I haven't uh, up there. I for haven't somebody? looked. Um, I typically do when I'm setting my fantasy lineups to <laughs> to know what not to get a yeah. kicker or something in, in rainy weather. But I have not looked yet for for what it's going to be doing up there. Okay. All right, Scott. On Fridays we play over under. You play a little bit. All right, Kyle Allen. Let's go. Two hundred eighty-five yards. Two eighty-five. You said. 285. I'll go under. Um, I think I think they'll be able to move the ball against this this Giants defense, but I think they are going to try to to get that running game going a little bit more. And I say he finishes somewhere 250 to, to 275. Let's put him at 45 yards rushing. You still there? Yep. Sorry, I am. For a second. No, you're, no, you're fine. Let's put Kyle Allen at 45 yards Ooh, rushing. That's a good one. Um, he showed his uh, scramble ability a little bit against the Rams, but I, I'm going to go under there a little bit under. Let's put Antonio Gibson at 15 total touches. I like the over. I think uh, he he. Didn't have quite as good a game against the Rams as he did uh, the week before. But, I mean, he's going to be – I think he's going to have to be more even, even more focal point of this offense um, the rest of the way. And I think he's going to feast a little bit against this Giants. See, I, I like the over on total touches for, for Gibson. Will, will he get over 100 yards rushing Ooh, on Sunday? That's a good one, too. Um I think he finishes a little bit under. Um, yeah, but approaching it, I'll go under. Let's put McLaurin at 85 yards receiving. I'm going to say over. I, I think, you know, Bradbury's a, a solid corner, but I think they're going to target him a ton. Um, I think another week of, of Kyle Allen and McLaurin kind of building the rapport that that McLaurin obviously had with Haskins. I mean, by this point, he's used to he's used to catching passes from from all sorts of different quarterbacks. So I think he goes over 100. I think I saw that he's already had eight <laughs> quarterbacks throw him the ball. I, I, since I he's would been believe it, <laughs> and, and he's done well with with all of them. So I mean, that's a good sign. Uh, if the, if the team's going to win, the defense is going to have to stop the rushing game. Let's put the defense at 120 yards rushing allowed. I think they're going to under that total. Um, obviously, without Saquon Barkley, they've got this the group of what, Wayne Gallman, Deion Lewis, and then Devontae Freeman, who they signed as a, a free agent. I guess he had his best game last week against the Cowboys, but but that was the Cowboys defense. And I think I could run against them. Um, I think, I think under 120 is, is a safe bet there. Well, uh, will we get the pressure going again? Let's put the sack number at four. Ooh. Um, yeah, I could see five sacks out of, out of this team against the giants. Um, they, yeah, I think with, with chase young, fully healthy again 
uh, and that unit uh, and Cole Holcomb potentially returning uh, alongside John Bostic. I think, I think they can get to five sacks. Daniel Jones in 18 starts has 17 interceptions and 22 fumbles. Let's put the takeaways at two. Hmm. I think it might finish right at two, but what the heck I'll say, I'll say over. I mean, Jones hasn't, uh, as we mentioned earlier, he's been struggling. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since, since week one. Um, a lot of inter- five interceptions, I think already on the season. I, I think Kendall Fuller is probably good for, for another one. Um, so I, I guess I would lean right at two for a push, but uh, if I had to go one way or the other, I'd say over, I'd say they get three. All right, Scott, it sounds crazy to say that this is a must win, but code here red. we are. <laughs> Who you, it's code red. Who you got for Sunday? I, what, last I saw, the Giants were, were favored by three, um, but they just look like as much of a mess as Washington. And, you know, I think – I think the Washington. I think Washington's defense is going to give Daniel Jones some uh, serious fits, and and you know if if the Giants weren't able to beat the Cowboys and that that terrible defense, I think they're kind of in for a a rude awakening this week. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think the uh, I think Washington will eke out a a win in a in a pretty low scoring game up there. I'll take the uh, Washington twenty seven twenty four. Uh, Scott, we got you got anything coming out for on the post this weekend? Um, nothing. Uh, I'll be I will be running the live blog on on Sunday. Um, much of the other stuff I've written this week has been about the Nationals. Um, and oh, the uh, I wrote about uh, the Cowboys' backup quarterback now, a rookie out of JMU. So they are they are one snap away from from or one Andy Dalton injury away from handing the reins to a guy named Ben DiNucci. I, I wrote a little bit about him after talking to his coach yesterday. Okay, right on. All right, Scott, thank you so Absolutely. much for joining us today. Thanks for Scott having Scott Allen, everybody.